Let's turn to the book of First Kings chapter 19 and verse 11 and 12. The book of First Kings chapter 19 verses 11 and 12. First Kings 19 verses 11 and 12. Praise God. The Bible says, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And verse 12 says, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. With the help of the Lord, I will just I will share a message with the title, The Still Small Voice. The Still Small Voice. Praise God. Now, we all know the story of the prophet Elijah. The moment we mention his name, you basically think about a mighty prophet of God whose ministry was built on spectacular demonstrations of God's power. From the time Elijah is introduced, in 1 Kings chapter 18, his life reads like one non-stop action thriller without a dull moment. <laughs> uh, it's just action-packed. Elijah appeared to be, you know, always full of adrenaline. He seemed to be supercharged and uh, just thinking of his name. Um, reminds you of, of a very stern prophet who really seemed to be in a rush to get the work of God done. A man who, you know, seemed to have incredible, I mean, access to incredible power through prayer. He knew how to pray and he did not hesitate to use the power of God, amen, to he was burning with a zeal to see Israel uh, return to God. So how do you, for example, deal with a minister who is talking to you one moment and he vanishes the next, only to be found uh, maybe hundreds of kilometers away? Even a prophet, a man of God called Obadiah, a man who the Bible describes as someone who feared God greatly. He appeared to be frustrated by the ministry of Elijah. Let's read 1 Kings 18 and verse 12. 1 Kings 18 and verse 12. 1 Kings 18 and verse 12 says, And it shall come to pass, as soon as I'm gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee, whether I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, 
and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Uh, when you think about this, what it tells you is Elijah really was elusive. He was, he's not your normal pastor. You know, pastor is with the sheep. He is accessible. He is uh, visible. Elijah was not that kind of a person. He could suddenly disappear. He could say one thing and then you would believe it and then you're waiting and then suddenly it's gone. Uh, so this is what Obadiah is protesting about. He's saying your, your, your ministry is, uh, is abnormal. <laughs> you, you're not our average minister. So the story goes on and on uh, in this spectacular fashion. Nothing was normal uh, about the ministry of Elijah. Let me remind you that Abraham appeared to be stable. He was accessible. He was visible. And if you actually study Abraham's life, uh, it was, you know, he, he was kind of a bit predictable in one sense. His ministry was predictable. He left Ur of the Chaldees and he's off to the land of Canaan. That, and he came to the land of Canaan. Uh, when it comes to Moses, yes, spectacular things happen. But remember, Moses was not seeking spectacular things. He sought a life of retirement. God had to push him to have faith in him. Moses went to Egypt. He used the rod. He told the king, he warned him, if you don't listen, this is what's going to happen. Quite predictable, although spectacular things happen, but not with Elijah. No one had a clue as to what this man would do in the name of Jehovah. So even his own people who feared God really did not know what to do with him. They didn't know where they had him. This is not a normal person. Famously, Elijah shut up the heavens through the sheer intensity of his prayers. When I was preparing this message, it suddenly dawned on me that it was not God who was telling Elijah to do these things necessarily. It seemed that Elijah was the one taking the initiative. He was the one making these intense prayers and God would listen. For example, turn with me to the book of James chapter 5 and verse 17. James chapter 5 and verse 17 makes this actually quite clear. It says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Think about it. You see, Elijah was zealous for God. He, he, he said that to God later. He said, I, I, I am zealous for your name. And that's why he prayed intensely that God would shut the skies for three and a half years. And God, God heard him. 
For three and a half years, there was a severe drought in Israel because of one man's prayers. Do you see how much God respects, respects the prayers of those who love him, those who love righteousness? One man, one man's prayer. And hundreds of thousands, millions of Israelites were without rain. In fact, they knew why there was no rain. Elijah told them, thus saith the Lord, <laughs> you will not see me. There will be no rain until you repent, until you call for me. And God took him and hid him. Now that is tremendous power. Yeah? When one person can openly declare, it's like I go to CNN and BBC and your whatever, and I say, there will be no rain for the next three and a half years until um, you repent. And then everybody firstly thinks, uh, I'm sure today they would say, how in the world did that guy, uh, uh, who allowed him to speak even? <laughs> Such people shouldn't come near, you know, uh, uh, these uh, cable news networks, etc. Uh, we don't want to hear anything about God. But somehow Elijah was like this purpose, person whom all of Israel knew, you ignore him at your own peril. Whatever he says comes true. So he declared, three and a half years, there will be no rain. And it happened. Animals, humans, vegetation, nature, all suffered. Everyone thought about one man. There was no man in Israel who was more wanted than Elijah. The Tishbite. Hallelujah. You know, everything about Elijah was grandiose. He did it on a big scale. It had to be spectacular. There had to be fireworks. Fire and brimstone. That was Elijah in a nutshell. Elijah began to believe and wanted to operate only in this man. Please listen to me carefully because perhaps you'll be surprised at the direction this message will go. We love Elijah. Who doesn't? If you love righteousness, uh, you would love Elijah. There's no discussion. It's one of the giants of the word of God, of the Bible. However, I'm building up to something which will instruct all of us. Even the Bible says, we just read what James said, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Let me tell you, it took me time to understand what happened to Elijah at Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'll come back to this, but I'm just giving you a little preview, if you will, of what is to come. Because we read the word of God to draw lessons, precious lessons. We can all fall into the same tra uh, a trap as Elijah. But first, let's continue. Let's turn to the book of 1 Kings 18, verses 38 and 39. 1 Kings 18, verses 38 and 39. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 38 and 39 says, then the fire of the Lord fell 
and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Oh, hallelujah. Who wouldn't rejoice? Surely this must be revival. You see, Elijah's striking ministry culminated in the fire of God falling from heaven and consuming the sacrifice. And this triggered what seemed to be national repentance. And it sealed the doom of the 450 prophets of Baal. Like I said earlier, whatever Elijah did was on a giga scale. Elijah was not one for small happenings. It was not one for, you know, petty things. He would today make headline news. Head, headline grabbing news. Bringing fire down from heaven. Remember again, God did not say, do this. He gathered the 450 prophets of Baal. He prayed to God as he always prayed. And God listens. Amen. When you are a man called Elijah, God listens to you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's be careful. <laughs> you see, it took me time to understand that this is all an Elijah show. Elijah believed that he could smack Israel into submission to God through fire and drought and power push them down to the ground, prostrate yourselves in the name of Jehovah. Through fire and brimstone, I will accomplish it. And that was the mistake of Elijah. We said, oh, wow, wow, we, we didn't think about it this way. Okay, wait, I'm still building my case. I'm building my case. Hallelujah. This message is for those, may God help us never to think that through Miracles alone, through earthquake and fire, we are going to change the world. We will smash people into submission. Sorry to use such a term, but we, we're going to, you know, pray and tell God, show your power. Fireworks, demonstrate your power. And this way, <laughs> all of Israel will, be, Israel will become a holy nation again. The Lord, he is God. It didn't take long before they again said, Baal is Lord. God have mercy. You see, we need to understand, brothers and sisters, and that's why we are not in this health and wealth and miracles movement. We have never been in that movement. It has never impressed us. If we are to learn anything from Elijah's ministry, it is that we should not think that by soliciting God with intense and fervent prayers, we can make people change and become good Christians. But Father Abraham, if you would send somebody from the dead to my family, surely they will become righteous. 
<laughs> Abraham said, son, even if somebody goes back from the dead, they will not repent. Listen to Father Abraham. Amen. Elijah had this belief that all he needed in his ministry is power from on high. Fire and brimstone and earthquakes and wind and storm. That's what's going to accomplish. By hook or by crook, we're going to club and hammer Israel into submission to God. Let me tell you, miracles are for those who already love God, who have a good heart. People who need some convincing, but they already believe. They have a good heart. That's what miracles are for. But if a person is dependent for their faith on miracles, then they must constantly be fed miracles continuously all the way till they go to heaven. May I remind you what happened to the children of Israel? Who saw, which generation saw more miracles than that generation? 40 years of action. Hmm? Mana falling from heaven. Water coming out of the rock. The Red Sea open. Pillar of fire by night. Pillar of 40 years of incredible action. And yet, and yet, none of them entered the land of Canaan except two. How is that for statistics? Two out of two million entered the land of Canaan. A diet of miracles will leave a person malnourished, spiritually speaking. What is our Christian faith based on? Is it based on, hmm, and I will come to this, the still small voice of God? Or is it based on the wind and the fire and the earthquake? Because God is not in them. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. And we are coming to that. But this is the anti-climax, anti-climax of the ministry of Elijah. A man who so believed that if only fire will come from heaven and I can show the power of God in the most spectacular manner, everybody is going to repent. No, sir. God has ordained that we listen to his voice, to the word of God. God is only in his word. He is not in the rocks. He's not in some fire somewhere. He's not in miracles. He is in his word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. What other miracle do we need? Look for God in his word. Hallelujah. Can we worship him for a moment? Can we bless the God who walks with us, who talks with us through his word? Amen. Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. You are the word of God. 
We don't want to know you any other way, Jesus, except the word of God that was made flesh, hallelujah, and dwelt among us. Amen. Help us never to look for God outside of his word in the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God, hallelujah. Help us never to think that we can persuade people through prophecies and through so-called miracles and spectacular works and grandiose, imposing, inspiring, whatever works. No. Help us to never leave your word. The still small voice. Help us to love that voice. Help us to preach that voice. Help us to help people find God in his word in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen, hallelujah. Praise God. This message is to take us back to the word of God again. God has ordained that by the preaching of the gospel, we are not to persuade people any other way. Only through his word. God is only in his word. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, the same people who shouted the Lord is God. It was superficial. Miracles will all, are always skin deep. They have no abiding power. Because they are not the word of God. God is not in those things. People need to find Jesus in his word. Not something else. Hallelujah. Miracles are powerful. They're good. But we are not supposed to think that that is all there is to God. What is a miracle after all? It is something which goes against nature. But what is nature again? Nature is what God made. And God who made the nature is able to suspend the laws of nature. And we call it a miracle. And we think, wow. And Jesus said, uh, because of this, you said, wow. We need to be careful. Otherwise, like Elijah, we are going to experience a crisis. I don't want anybody to experience a crisis in his or her faith. We will experience a crisis just like Elijah did if we develop a ministry and become comfortable with the ministry where we are just believing through my intense prayers and fasting. I'm going to, God is going to demonstrate his power to that person. Jesus is going to do this miracle or that miracle. No. We need to labor in the word of God. It was for this purpose we went to the Ivory Coast, Brother Frame and I. At the end, 28 people were baptized in Jesus' name. And even after we left, we heard that one of the prominent bishops also decided to be baptized in Jesus' name. What did we do there? Can I report to you about some miracles? No. I report to you that we had fellowship and they had fellowship with the word of God. Amen. With the still small voice of God. Because God wants us to persuade people through his word. Amen. And not in the spectacular, grandiose, fire and brimstone manner that became the hallmark of Elijah's ministry. And I'm not saying this to put down Elijah. Uh, we can't do that. That would be totally uh, wrong and disrespectful. But 
we have to understand that Elijah, and, and maybe I should build my story and then you'll understand. Uh, hopefully I give you sufficient uh, evidence, quote unquote, to say, yes, this is a legitimate message. We can accept the interpretation. But let's first go back. You remember Elijah taking, you know, all the prophets of Baal up to the up to Mount Carmel. I've stood on Mount Carmel five times. It, it is always amazing to stand there to below the statue of Elijah, uh, killing the prophets of Baal. He has a prophet of Baal under his uh, foot. If you go to uh, Mount Carmel today, to that site where it is believed Elijah. Uh, brought God heard his prayer and brought down fire from heaven. But you see, Elijah prayed, fire came down. And Elijah capitalized on this amazing miracle by seizing the prophets of God. He said, seize them, catch them, make sure none of them escape. And that day, Mount Carmel was filled with blood, the blood of the prophets of God. So again, Elijah, we do not read that God commanded him to operate in this fashion. This may come as a surprise to you. When, we, when I carefully reread meditatively the spiritual crisis that followed in the life of Elijah and how God handled Elijah's spiritual crisis, it led me to one conclusion. Elijah's ministry relied too heavily upon the spectacular. And that's not what God is about. God is a spectacular God. He is a God who can do all kinds of miracles and, uh, you know, revelations of uh, his power, both physically and in so many ways. But the human heart is so corrupt, it's depraved. It doesn't want to listen to the word of God because the word of God is God himself. But it wants to be entertained. It wants to be tickled. It wants to, that which, it wants faith that is built on sight. And the Bible says we do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. So a life that is built on miracles is a life that is built on what can be seen and not what is invisible. Amen. That is the sin of just living for miracles and the spectacular. But the true people of God are people who live to know the invisible God. Jesus himself said, John 4, 24, the father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. This is what God is looking for. He's not looking for people who worship him because they see fire falling from heaven or people who worship him because the rocks split and there are signs in the heavens and the earth. Jesus said a wicked and adulterous generation looketh for signs. God have mercy. Let the apostolic church, let the people who believe in the word of God and the teaching that Jesus gave to the apostles be a people who are known to be a people who 
walk not by sight, but by faith. But that a people who worship God in spirit and in truth. A people who are diligent to know God through his word. A people who fellowship with the still small voice of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what we want to be known as. So, you see, it appears that God was issuing a warning through the ministry of Elijah. While God is gracious and may at times acquiesce to his servants' prayers for miracles, God wishes humans to be persuaded by his spirit and by his word always. Can we say amen? As God said, and we know this famous scripture in the book of Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 4 and verse 6. Let's say together, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise Jesus. Not by might, not by power. But by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let me tell you, the devil also has might. He has power. But you know what? He doesn't have the truth. The word of God is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. He came into this world to be a witness of this truth. Of himself. He is the truth. Pilate said, what is the truth? And I've always said, if he just reached out his hands, he could touch the truth. He was looking at the truth. But he failed to receive the truth. Jesus spoke to Pilate about the truth. Hallelujah. He did not do any miracles for Pilate. He didn't cleave the rocks. He didn't bring fire from heaven. Don't you think Jesus could have done that? When he was finally brought before the movers and shakers of society. This was his opportunity to convince everybody. The Roman Empire said, show us something and we will believe you. The Pharisees said, show us some demonstration of your power that we may believe. At the time when Jesus could have, should have, if he wanted to be worshipped by everybody in the whole world bow down, he did not. God will never use miracles to convince people to follow him. They must love the truth. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, the Antichrist will bring fire down from heaven. If a person is going to believe because of such spectacular acts, then I'm telling you there is a whole world going to worship the Antichrist. We don't worship just anybody who brings fire from heaven. We don't shout the Lord is God because of the fire. You should have known the Lord is God before. You don't need fire to come down from heaven to tell you the Lord is God. Amen. It is enough to hear the voice of truth. Read Moses and the law, Moses and the prophets, Abraham said. And now you have Jesus and the apostles. Can we say we have Jesus and the apostles? We have a greater than Moses. We have Jesus and the apostles. We don't need anything else. Amen. Hallelujah. Even if you bring up a person from the dead, 
I'm not impressed. I'm going to ask you, in which name did you bring this person up from the dead? And if you do not mention the name of Jesus, I have nothing to do with it. Raise the whole graveyard from back from the dead. It's from the devil. Oh, I don't know where it's from, but it's, if you didn't use the name of Jesus, I have no interest in it. Let everybody go there. We believe Jesus is the truth. The only truth. Amen. We want to hear what the truth has to say. That's why we listen to the Bible. That's why we listen to the word of God. It blesses our souls. When we hear it, something happens to us. Ah, it's, you feel blessed. Your soul responds because your soul recognizes the truth. Amen. And he speaks to us. Remember the Garden of Eden? Let me tell you. The devil also has a still small voice. The devil is smart. He knows. He cannot always do miracles to please, to, to convert people. He has converted many people without miracles. Let's begin with Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did the devil do a miracle in the Garden of Eden? No. All he did was he used his still small voice. When he saw Eve, he said, as God said, that you shall not eat of this tree. The still small voice. The still small voice is the most powerful. It's the most dangerous. We got to be careful. Forget miracles. What voice are we hearing? Who is speaking to us? You see, let's turn first to 1 Kings 19 verse 1 and 2. 1 Kings 19 verses 1 and 2. 1 Kings 19, 1 and 2. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also. If I, not, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. The voice of Jezebel. Elijah was not afraid of 450 prophets of Baal who were jumping around like, you know, possessed, crazy prophets, bloodletting, screaming, you know, frothing at their mouths. Nothing frightened him. 450. But how is it that a message from one woman, a foreigner, a Lebanese woman, a Phoenician called Jezebel, terrified the living daylights out of him. You know why? Because it was the still small voice of the devil. The devil also speaks. You see, Elijah was living in the spectacular world of miracles and power and fire and etc. etc. But somehow, he forgot that the real power of the spiritual world is not in these spectacular events. It's in the still small voices. It is in the still small voices. Here he was victorious, intoxicated with joy because, ah, did you see what God did? Even the king Ahab is boasting about Elijah. You know, Ahab was a confused character. 
he somehow admired uh, uh, Elijah because he's, he's an Israelite. Loved this man somehow. He believed Elijah. He knew when Elijah said something was going to happen. So he was just telling Jezebel, you know what he did? He killed your 450 prophets. Fire came from it. Your prophets, by the way, couldn't do anything. But this man, you see, there's a God in Israel. He brought fire down. You know why I say that? Because it was not Elijah who said anything bad. He was with Elijah, King Ahab. Elijah told him, gird up your loins. Take your chariot. Go to the city fast. He, he was, a, you know, he had a front row seat to all these powerful things that God would do. So the man was actually <laughs> edified. He was, he became a believer, a righteous man for a little while. But God have mercy when there's a Jezebel, you know, beside you. And this woman clearly was a high priestess of Satan. The spiritual world's power is in its word. Always remember that. Satan didn't do any miracle in the Garden of Eden. He knew that God would come in the cool of the day and speak in a still small voice with Adam and Eve as he walked with them. I would have given anything to have listened to what God was telling them. What did God tell Adam? <laughs> Must have been so beautiful. So edifying, such a blessing. Every day they had a conference with God. They had a, God was their preacher. God would come to visit them every day. Sometimes people don't know how blessed they are. We say, so-and-so is coming to preach. Bishop so-and-so to come. Well, Bishop God himself was preaching in the Garden of Eden every day. Hallelujah. How wonderful that was. The still small voice of God. But you know what? The devil said, I'm going to also use my still small voice. And I'm going to speak to Adam and Eve. I'm going to speak to Eve. And that was what devastated Adam and Eve. The still small voice of Satan. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Genesis 3 verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? <laughs> the still small questioning voice, the still small blasphemous voice. It was the still small voice of Jezebel that induced fear, panic, and even suicidal thoughts in the mind of Elijah. And so he fled to Horeb, to Mount Sinai. Never underestimate the power of the word. Be it the word from Satan. And on the other hand, the word of God. That's why we want to tell our children. We want to tell our friends and our family. Please come to church. Hear the word of God. Let the still small voice of God persuade you into righteousness. Because out there also, there is a voice, a still small voice of Satan. It is a battle of voices, brothers and sisters. And we must do our utmost to let the voice of God win in Jesus' name. 
So Elijah must have reckoned that since God had abandoned Israel, the only other place God must be dwelling in must be Mount Sinai because before Israel came to the land of Canaan, they went to the mountain of God in Exodus chapter 3. Moses met God in the mountain of God and God said, I am that I am. Hallelujah. So when Elijah thought, you know, the still small voice of the devil can make you panic. Never underestimate the fear that Satan can instill in people. That's why I don't understand why people are listening to sources that we shouldn't be listening to. We need to cut out worldly music. We need to cut out worldly, you know, Hollywood films and other. There are messages there that Satan plants. Still small voices that will devastate your soul and make a person paranoid. Elijah became so paranoid. He began to believe he's the only person left alive. Jezebel is going to kill him. He has to run. He has to go. He's alone. There's no one else. God is not even in Israel anymore. God, the only place God is, is in Mount Horeb. Excuse me. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. Why? Are you, are you believing what you believe? You, Elijah. Do you see what I said earlier? Elijah was living in the spectacular. Sometimes if we are not careful, we maybe we even sing a song, oh, you know, the days of Elijah, yeah? We, we sing that song. We even pray, oh, I wish the days of Elijah would come back. Excuse me? The days of Elijah? Did you know Elijah was not successful in his ministry to turn Israel back to God? Do you know he left Israel a defeated man, a frustrated man, a suicidal man? Where are all the people who shouted, the Lord is God? They went back to Baal. What was left of the ministry of Elijah? Nothing. That's why Elijah was so devastated, so defeated. Because he believed if only fire will come down from heaven, everybody will change. I will destroy the cult of Baal once and for all. No, you can't do it through miracles. You can't do it through brimstone and fire. You can't do it. That's why we Christians have been given a command by Jesus to preach the word of God. Be witnesses unto me. That's all he said. Jesus doesn't want people who follow him because of something spectacular. Because of fire and brimstone. God is not a God who dwells in those places. He dwells with the humble. He dwells with the weak. He dwells with those who tremble at his word. This is what he said. He didn't say I dwell with those who love to see fire fall from heaven. Those who see an earthquake. And tremble and serve me because of it. No. That's why the Christian. The, the, the history of the Christian church is one. Which is dripping with blood. The blood of martyrs. Where is God's power to save them? He has power. But he wants them to seal their testimony. That they love Jesus. 
through and believe in Jesus, through martyrdom, through, you know, non-resistance to, to violence. Strange, but that's how the Christian uh, world is. The Christian spirit is. Love your enemies. <laughs> Hallelujah. People are supposed to be converted by our example, by what they see in our lives. These are not a people who are into the spectacular. They're into a message. That message is the word of God. The word of God is Jesus. Jesus is unique. He's so humble. He's so loving that, that I, I cannot resist him. Amen. That's how Christianity grows. That's why it conquers. It conquers hearts. It does not conquer eyes. God doesn't want a ministry that conquers the eyes, but does not conquer the heart in Jesus' name. Let's continue. You see, Elijah thought God is only in Mount Sinai, since he's not in Israel. But he was wrong about this. But listen, see the mercy of God. Even though Elijah was wrong about his conclusions and set off to go to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, God facilitated his journey to the holy mountain. How do we know this? Because God sent an angel to feed him. Imagine that. When he came to the mountain, God said, Elijah, what are you doing here? But some time ago, God sent an angel to feed him. And he said, the journey is long to the mountain. Please eat. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? It's not a paradox. It is true that he shouldn't be at the mountain. There's nobody to minister at the mountain. Are you going to minister to snakes and scorpions? Beetles and... No. A Christian who has a ministry from God should be with people. We don't go and become nuns and monks. It's, that is cowardice, my dear. We were in Rome, Brother Victor and myself, and I looked at... We were there at the Vatican. We were there at the place where Paul was killed and and at one moment, I was thinking of Catholicism, and I said, uh, actually, these people are running away from the wound. They are not serving people. They are not even really living uh, in the sense, you know, they don't marry. They take this vow of celib celibacy. They isolate themselves with other monks. Uh, that's not what God called us for. That is cowardice. God called us to be in the thick of the battle in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We are called to be soldiers. Soldiers don't uh, isolate themselves from society. Yes, they're training. But they have families. Yeah. They've got houses. So Elijah wanted to become a monk, so to speak. He left. You see, that's what will happen to us if we rely on the ministry of the miraculous. We operate only through fire and brimstone. And now, listen, because this is uh, why, you know, this is how we can confirm that this message is on course. You see, firstly, let me say that even in our mistakes, when we are going in the wrong direction, 
I say wrong direction because God asked him, what are you doing here? It's nice you came to the mountain of God, but I, I didn't ask you to come here. Elijah was often doing things which God really didn't ask him. And I say that with all humility and due respect to this great man of God. He's determined. God sends an angel, gives him food. He goes to sleep. The angel wakes him up again. Let's read 1 Kings 19 verse 7. 1 Kings 19 verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because this journey is too great for thee. You see, Elijah appears to often underestimate the consequences of his action or his decision. We see this again and again. He's just going to go to Mount Horeb. But uh, how are you going to get there? You don't have food. He doesn't care. He just lay down there. He wanted to he even prayed, God, just kill me. Take me, please. But thank God for his mercy, for his compassion. Ultimately, he's a righteous man. God is good. Even in our mistakes, he is compassionate. And finally, Elijah arrived at his destination. Until this point in his life, it was all action. Action, Elijah. Most of the action had been initiated by him through his prayers. But now, say with me now, now, thank God for the now. For the first time, Elijah was a quiet, beaten man who appeared to lack any new initiatives or ideas. This was the perfect time for God to teach Elijah the golden lesson. Amen. Are you with me? Isn't it wonderful? There's hope for us. That's why James said, Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. In other words, hey, listen. Elijah too made mistakes. But he prayed. God heard him. But still, when he was down and out, finished, God raised him. God basically did something new with Elijah on Mount Horeb. You know, when you are down and out, when you have no more strength, the best place to go is wherever you think God is, although you may be wrong. Amen. <laughs> Elijah was wrong about many things here, but he was not wrong about one thing. That ultimately, you go to your God. When you don't understand anything, when nothing has worked in your life, go to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Where else shall we go, Jesus? We don't have hope in anyone or anything else in this world. We go to Jesus. It's better to sit suicidal at the feet of Jesus than to go and sit with a psychiatrist and be suicidal. And I, again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not attacking uh, psychiatrists, but listen, I, a Christian should go to Jesus. Amen. We, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, send me an angel, give me food along the way, Jesus. But I'm coming to you. I have nowhere else to go. You are my God. I refuse to have any other God. I don't believe Baal is God. I, am mis I may be mistaken in thinking that the whole of Israel serves uh, 
Baal, and I'm the only one who serves you. I'm coming to your feet, Jesus. Ah, oh, hallelujah. Oh, that's when Elijah proved that he's a man, still a man of God. You see, when we make mistakes in the ministry, we may lose everything. Let's be found at the feet of Jesus. We say, where's that guy? Where is he? He's at the feet of Jesus, where he belongs. Amen. His God will take care of him. Amen. Hallelujah. I've often told my children over the years, I said, you see, at the end, when society will reject you, if you have no one else, your so-called friends will uh, fail you. Society basically closes their door shut on you. Do you know where you go? You come back to your father and mother. Amen. <laughs> we will be right there waiting for you. So it's the same with us, brothers and sisters. It was the same with Elijah. When we try, we try, nothing works. We go back to Father Jesus. This is my house. You're my father. Amen. Jesus. So now the Elijah show is over. Amen. The Elijah fireworks are over. It was a closing ceremony on Mount Carmel. It's like these Olympics and football, World Cup, and they have all these fireworks, and then it's over. Uh, the end of the show. It was the end of the Elijah show. There was nobody there in Mount Horeb for him to impress. There's no audience. Nobody looking at him. He couldn't even pray. He was a man of prayer. Intense prayers. He didn't pray. He just came and sat down there. Thank God for those moments, those teachable moments. And now God began his show. Can we say it's time for the God show? It was God's opening ceremony. We just had the closing ceremony of Elijah. And now God's opening ceremony. God said, Elijah, sit down. Amen. You with me now? First Kings 19, 11 and 12. <laughs> Let's see what God's uh, show was like. Praise God. Amen. There's nobody who can demonstrate power like my God. Oh, hallelujah. First Kings 19, 11 and 12. He said, go forth. Stand upon the mountain before the Lord. So Elijah went forth and stood before the mountain. And behold, the Lord passed by. Somebody say, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountain, breaking pieces the rocks before the Lord. Hmm. Can you imagine that scene? Elijah stood there. He looked around him. Suddenly he saw he heard and he could see a mighty wind coming. I'm sure his garments flew in the wind. He had to hold on to something because when God moves, boy, he can cause a hurricane, a cyclone, a man, tornado. We call it the axe of God. Hallelujah. God smashed some mountains. Mountain. The Bible says he wind rent the mountains. So there were many mountains in that place. God smashed some of them. He break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Now all credit to Elijah. Elijah stood and he watched all of this. And you know he was impressed. He likes this. He looked around and 
uh, he's a man who his character was that way. He he liked it. He was rough. He's you know up for some action and some power, some you know uh, bone crushing and mountain rending, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, but here's the <laughs> here's the important part. The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Can you imagine what was that? What that was like. First, he's shaken by the wind. He hears smashing noises. I'm sure rocks, boulders flew past him, but nothing touched him. Next, an earthquake. Now the ground under him begins to move. Tectonic plates moving all around it. He must have been looking for another something else to grab. But listen, the Lord was not in the earthquake. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Are you getting my point now? Do you begin to understand what is God doing? God is showing Elijah. Elijah, your ministry was a ministry of the spectacular. I am not in these things. That's not where God is. Hallelujah. Can somebody shout amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. The Lord caused these things, but the Lord was not in them. Praise God. You say, so, so why is God uh, troubling nature? Well, firstly, it's his nature. He can do whatever he wants with. Amen. He can smash a few mountains. Praise God. He can play with the sea. You know what God was telling him, Elijah? All of this, I'm not in it. You like it? You're impressed by it? But I'm not in it. That's why your ministry collapsed. Hmm, praise Jesus. Because if that is all your ministry is about, I am not in it. That means nobody will be saved by it. That's why we don't tell people. Raise up your hands. How many saw a mountain of fire falling yesterday? Oh, hallelujah. Blessed are your eyes. You truly are spiritual people. No. We tell them, how many here baptized, repented and baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost? According to Acts 2.38. If not, you are not saved. And somebody may try and tell you, but you know, I've seen 500 miracles. Uh, listen, God is not in that. We are not talking about that. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise Jesus. So God was now teaching Elijah a lesson about his modus operandi, how God works. He did these spectacular things. Have you noticed that it seems Elijah did not flinch? He didn't bat an eyelid. I told you, he's a tough guy. He loves this. But listen now, listen, in verse 12, 1 Kings 19, verse 12, after the earthquake of fire, fire, of course, Elijah is a fireman, a spiritual fireman. Hallelujah. The man knows everything about fire. Spiritual fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. So God is not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. So where is he? And after the fire, stay with me, a still, small a voice. Are you listening? Praise God. Somebody says, I got the Holy Ghost. Good. But after you get the fire, you need to hear a still, small voice. Amen. Oh, I was there on the day of Pentecost. The fire came on it. Wonderful. But 
Do you hear the voice of Jesus? Do you go to his word? Do you live with his word? Amen. Because God is in his word. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. We appear to be looking for God where he is not. God was basically saying to Elijah, why do you rely so heavily on my power to sway and change the heart of Israel through miracles and spectacular actions? Look at the results so far. How many people have genuinely turned to God in heartfelt repentance? How many? What was the point of the three and a half years of drought? What was the point of killing 450 prophets of Baal? Israel has returned to Baal once again. Was this not the same predicament, brothers and sisters, of the, of the multitudes who followed the Lord Jesus Christ? They were not interested in his teachings. They didn't want to know about the still small voice of God, but they wanted the miracles of Jesus, especially the miracle of providing food for them in particular. You remember that? You remember John chapter 6 and verse 26? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. God have mercy. In the end, everyone abandoned the Lord when he was apprehended in Jerusalem. Where are those people? Where are those people? God have mercy. What are we, how are we serving Jesus? What kind of ministry have you built in the name of Jesus? Is it one that only works on visions and dreams and power and miracles and action and dividing the Red Sea and uh, all of that? Or is it one built on the still small voice? Still small voice. Oh, hallelujah. May I even throw in? Uh, a little bit sensitive, but sometimes I even hear preachers who have to, they think that they're only preaching and touching people when they speak, uh, you know, on a certain decibel level. They've got to have like five big uh, speakers behind them. They blast the people. Hallelujah. The still small voice. Uh, by the way, continue. I get excited too. I also preach sometimes with, with my voice raised. But uh, I'm sometimes concerned for some apostolic and Pentecostal churches. We have fallen into the habit of thinking that unless we speak with the five microphones and we've got an amplifier to boot and, you know, uh, uh, the word of God. God never said, when you speak my word, make sure you blast it into the eardrums of people. For only then will they hear. No, most people are not deaf. They can hear. They want to hear the voice of God, not our voices in Jesus. Our voices should only facilitate the voice of Jesus. Hallelujah. So, Elijah, the man who did not react. How loud is an earthquake? How loud, loud was that storm? Bang, boom. No response. But when he heard the still small voice in the wind saying, Elijah, what doest thou here? Immediately he ran out, he covered himself. Hallelujah. The man was shaking because God was in the voice. You see, it doesn't matter how boisterous, how loud the, the miracles are. 
Elijah was deaf. He didn't even notice himself that it has no effect on him. But he forgot that his own prayers for these miracles were not having any impact on people. God have mercy. But the moment he heard the still small voice, <laughs> the mighty Elijah responded. He covered, he wrapped himself. You would have asked him, what happened, Elijah? God is here. But was not, was not God here before? He was not in those things. Now I understand. Now I understand. God is in his voice. Praise God. You see, God was bringing Elijah back to the ministry of the voice, the still small voice. Go back to my word. Teach my word. That's why I said in the beginning, I never saw Elijah teaching people the word of God. He was moving around. Before you could just greet him, he's gone. The next time you see him, he's proclaiming some new judgment. New fight. He didn't even talk to some people. When the captain came with 50, he said, uh, Oh, man of God, come with us. Uh, if I'm a man of God, may fire come from heaven and wipe you out. I don't think many people want to meet this man of God. You may go to meet this man of God. You go to where his church is and you end up becoming fried chicken. And God have mercy. No, no, no. I don't go to church to become fried, fried chicken. I want to come back blessed. Hallelujah. I shouldn't go to church shaking. I don't know what mood he's in. What power of God he may bring upon me. May God help us. Hallelujah. And I say this with love again. <laughs> Elijah. But you see, what's the, why God allowed this man to be crushed? Why he had to come and listen to the still small voice of God. Hallelujah. You know why Peter, James, and John were not afraid of the threats of the Pharisees? The Pharisees warned them, threatened them. But you know what Peter said? Uh, you judges said, is it right to obey God? That means, listen, we've been three years with Jesus of Nazareth. Have you heard him talk? Have you heard his still small voice? We heard. <laughs> They're not afraid of you guys. Do what you want. We've heard another voice that you guys haven't heard of. Do what you want. But we will obey him. Ah. They said they noticed that they had been with Jesus of Nazareth. Who has been with Jesus of Nazareth? Amen. Who has been with Jesus of Nazareth? He speaks in the quietness. God chooses the place. God chooses the time. And then he speaks to us. With a still small voice. In a place in our hearts. Which make us respond like Elijah. And we cover ourselves. And we fall on the ground. We cry. We sob. Hallelujah. That's when you know you've heard the voice of God. And you know the voice of God. Is such. That it begins to ask you questions. It makes you do some soul searching. Until that point, Elijah is complaining about everybody. Uh, I'm the only one left, by the way, you know, all of them. The whole country has gone to the dogs. And, uh, you know, he's blaming everybody. But you know what God's told him? Elijah, what are you doing? This is how you know God is with you, talking to you. He's not going to talk to you about other people. He's not here to listen to your complaints. Doesn't God know what's going on in Israel? By the way, he even corrected him. He said, excuse me, Elijah, can I say something? Yes, you are not alone. 
There are 7,000 people who did not bow the knee. Stop making yourself so special. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the still small voice of God. May Jesus speak to us alone. Amen. Because when God speaks to us, he will rebuke us. He will correct us. He will stop making you feel sorry for yourself. This is when you know the still small voice of Jesus is speaking to me. Elijah realized you can't escape the truth. Jesus is the truth. When you go down on your knees, amen, he will talk to you. He will talk to me. He will tell me what is wrong with me. He will tell me what my problem is. He will remove the blindness from my eyes as he did with the apostle Paul. Paul was blind. That's why he had scales over his eyes. Hallelujah. The still small voice does not talk about other people. It says, Adam, where are you? You. Said so the woman that you can, excuse me, I'm not, I didn't ask about that. Where are you? Hallelujah. Have you heard the voice of God today? When is the last time you heard the still small voice of Jesus? He will not talk about other people. He will not let you blame anyone. He will talk to you. Amen. He will reveal to you your faults, your mistakes, my mistakes, my sin, my weakness, my problem. Amen. He will give you revelation that you don't know. He will tell you something you don't know. I have 7,000 people. Praise God. He had to go outside of Israel to know that there are 7,000 people. If he looked around properly, he would have found them. But you see, Elijah was lacking something in his ministry. He was thinking only about himself. He was the most famous person in Israel. So he became blind to the fact that there are other people who don't do spectacular things. But nevertheless, they are servants of Jehovah. Amen. We are not the only ones who serve Jesus. People should stop. Churches should stop boasting. They are the only ones. What do you know? How many people God has in this world? Even I may make a mistake and say, Lord, there's nobody. We are so few. And say, excuse me, have you been to Chile? Do you know how many people I have in China? But sometimes say, we are the apostolic church. We are the unique people of God. We are so special. Let's be quiet for a moment in Jesus' name. I was about to say, shut up, but it sounds very rude. I'll tell myself, shut up, brother Paul. You don't know how many people God has. You don't know how much he loves them. You don't know what they have done for Jesus. Let's be humble. Amen. I say, sorry, Lord. I made a mistake. I thought I'm the only one. That's why when I fail, I thought it's over. <laughs> Is the kingdom of God dependent on Elijah? Never. God told him, listen, my friend, I have 7,000. I can take you away and my kingdom is still okay. Hallelujah. Jesus had only 12 people in Israel. That was enough for him. And in the time of Elijah, there were 7,000 plus one man who was not even in Israel. He was in a foreign country. He's not where he should be. The land of Canaan. God said, don't leave it. The man left it. Let's look at ourselves. Amen. The best way to serve God is to let God show us our mistakes, our weaknesses. 
Hallelujah. I thank God that he's the God who corrects Elijah. He corrects the Elijahs of this room. He doesn't get rid of them. He will not forget your labor of love. But you see, Elijah was looking for God in the wrong place. God was not in the fire. He's not in the earthquake. You see, what this is why God did this in Mount Horeb, to show him. You're making a mistake, my friend. You're relying too much on the supernatural. God is not a God who sends us to bring earthquakes and smash people around. But he wants us to preach the word. That's why we went to Ivory Coast, Nepal, wherever. That's a command from Jesus. We have to move. We have to share the word of God. We didn't go to try to make earthquakes happen. We didn't go to try to bring fire down from heaven. We went to give the still small voice of God. The truth of God. You know, spectacular acts induce fear and cheap emotions. But God is not in cheap emotions. I preached about Mary Magdalene not long ago. God bless her and what a blessed, blessed uh, woman. But you see, Mary Magdalene was in the tomb looking for the Lord Jesus, but he was not there. Why? Because he was to be found in his word and his word said he would arise the third day. Ah, hallelujah. Look for God in his word. If Mary Magdalene and the other apostles had looked for Jesus in his word, they would have known he's not in the tomb, as the angel said. He is risen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's look for Jesus in his word. Where is Jesus now in his word? He said, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you repent and are baptized in Jesus' name, Jesus will come. That's where he is. He promised he will come and live in us. Where is Jesus in the time scale of Bible prophecy? He is fixing to return soon. How do I know all of this? Did I receive spectacular revelations? No. It's in his word. It's in the still small voice. Hallelujah. The word of God is the still small voice. Let the Hitlers of this world rant and rave. Let the Mussolinis threaten whatever they want. Caesars come and go. We were standing in the ruins of the Roman Forum, Brother Victor and I, in Rome, a few weeks ago. It's amazing. I told Brother Victor, do you know that this was the center of the world? From here, basically, the authority was invested to crucify our Lord Jesus. That's why we are here. And we looked around. Until today, the, the, the remnants, the, the ruins of the center of power of the Romans is, is impressive. It's amazing how thick their walls were. I mean, these, no wonder these people believe there were some sort of guards on the city. But you know what? Go to Rome and you will know the kings and the powers of this world come and go. They become a, a distant a uh, depraved dream. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. 
His kingdom still lives and thrives. And he is returning soon. And Jesus is telling us again, as he told Elijah, Elijah, go back. Don't rely on spectacular acts. Give the word. Amen. And you know what, Elijah, after that time, he seemed to have calmed down a bit. He appointed the next prophet, Elijah. He gave a message. He became a prophet. He began to talk. He began to, amen, prepare the next generation. Hallelujah. He was more about the future than about smashing things. Amen. God is not the God who smashes things. He's the God of hope. He's the God of correction. He's the God of the still small voice. Amen. Do you still hear that still small voice? The still small voice of Jesus is the greatest miracle. Amen. Hallelujah. We cannot beat people into submission, brothers and sisters, through fearful divine acts. But God now showed Elijah that he must persuade souls through the word of God alone. As I said earlier, how many miracles did God do on behalf of Israel when they left Egypt? How many were permanently chained? Just a handful of two million, two people only came into the land of Canaan. No other generation saw such an array of incredible signs and wonders. The still small voice of God caught the attention of Elijah. He knew God was present in his voice and his, the voice of God revived and recharged Elijah. Oh, hallelujah. It's not in how loud we speak or how much, you know, earthquakes and what happens, but it's how much of the still small voice of Jesus enters our hearts, which matters. The voice of God asked Elijah probing questions about his own conduct. What doest thou here, Elijah? Amen. Elijah was full of grievances about other people, but God's voice focused on Elijah's own conduct. This is how you know. This is confirmation that you're hearing the still small voice. In the right place, at the right time, he will ask us probing questions about our own conduct, not others. The voice also corrected and comforted Elijah with knowledge, as I said, he was unaware of. He was not alone. There were 7,000 who had not bowed the knee to Baal. There is a time to separate ourselves from the crowds, brothers and sisters. There is a time to come to Jesus alone and to wait to hear his still small voice. And when that opportunity comes, what a wonderful, marvelous opportunity. Let us respond as a wise high priest advised another young budding prophet in the making, Samuel. Speak, Lord. For thy servant heareth. Let us persuade people with the voice of God. And let us not rely on the spectacular in Jesus' name. Let us bow our heads. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this message. I thank you for speaking to me personally. And to everyone who is here. I know that you want us to continue to minister to you. As you wanted Elijah to continue to minister. But there's a time to take your people aside. If necessary, out of Israel. 
where there is no audience, where you take the initiative, where you teach, where you show us, teach us lessons that will forever be imprinted in our hearts and minds. Thank you for teaching us today that you are the God of the still small voice. That is where we find you, in your word, in your voice. You're not necessarily in the spectacular. Although you cause the spectacular, you cause the earthquake, you cause the, the storm, the fire, but you are not in them. Because you're not in these elements and natural phenomena, but you are the God who speaks to the soul in a way, in a language that only the soul knows and understands. Our souls are made for the language of God. Our souls were created to respond to that voice, to that sound, the sound of the Almighty who made us. Please continue speaking to us, Jesus. Never leave whispering in our souls. Hallelujah, sweet sounds of restoration, sweet voices of love. Hallelujah, no mother, no father can speak to our souls as you do, Jesus. Amen, hallelujah. And that is why we love you. That is why we love you. That is why we cannot stop listening to, looking for that voice of yours, Jesus, because it does amazing things for our souls. Correct us, Jesus. Rebuke us, Jesus. Comfort us, Jesus. Heal us, Jesus. Send us back to minister for you again, Jesus, when, when we finally understood the lesson. Bless your people. Thank you for this church, for I know, and you know that they love your word. The apostolic people have always been drawn to your word. We thank you, Lord, even in a time when there are so-called prophets and prophetesses all over the place. We still come back to your word. We trust only in the word of Jesus. Help us to take that word to the world, Jesus. Persuade people, not through divine threats, spectacular acts, but through persuasion. In Jesus' name we pray. The church says amen, amen, amen. God bless you.